to the Boss Show. I am your host, as always, Oliver Maroney. Uh, BDOT, unfortunately, has some photo shoots and other things to take care of, so it's just going to be me, solo. Uh, I'm going to have special guest Irving Rowland. He's a trainer for the Houston Rockets. Um, He's going to come in in just a little bit, chat with us just about the season, about James Harden and his transformation as a player, Uh, the coaching staff there, just everything around the NBA. Uh, with Irving Roland, you can find him at Irv underscore Roland on Twitter um, and also on Instagram. Uh, he's got some really cool work. He's worked in the NBA for a very long time, very respected man, uh, does a lot of things well uh, around the NBA, um, and, and he's been you know, really a focal point of why James Harden, in my opinion, uh, that he wouldn't tell you this, but in my opinion, he's been a, a real reason why James Harden's been able to adapt to that point guard position with the Houston Rockets. Uh, so Irving Roland coming up next on the Boss Show. But before we do, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, uh, Topic Wear. You can find the best underwear. Seriously, the most comfortable underwear that you can find anywhere. Topic Wear, T-O-P-I-K-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out there at T-O-P-I-K-W-E-A-R on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you find uh, any sort of social media, they're there. Uh, They've got great, comfortable, comfortable clothes. I really appreciate kind of what what they do, how they do it. Um, I always wear Topic Wear. I'm wearing them right now. They're extremely comfortable. Um, And like I said, find it at a great price. Um, And it's not only that, but it's luxury, guys. I mean, you're you're talking about your drawers. Uh, You got to have comfort when you're coming to your underwear and, and things like that. So, um, topic wear. Check them out. Uh, make sure you go to www.topikwear.com and check out Topic Wear. Uh, moving into the show, though, let's talk about it. We got tons of things in sports this week. We first of all, you got the Super Bowl going on. You got the New England Patriots going against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'll be honest, if I'm making my Super Bowl pick, I'm going with the Eagles. I'm gonna go with my heart. I think the Eagles do it. Uh, I think Jalen Mills is going to be crucial. If anybody doesn't know already, if you go onto social media, go onto Instagram or Twitter or whatever, uh, you can find me with the green hairdo of the Green Goblin. Uh, shout out to Jalen Mills. I lost a bet to him, so I had to get my hair green. But when we're talking about the Super Bowl, it's going to be crazy. You've got Tom Brady, one of the best to ever do it, going for that big-time Super Bowl again. And you've got the Philadelphia Eagles, who haven't made it in a very long time. And they've got backup quarterback Nick Foles playing at a very good level for the most part. So it'll be very interesting to see how that turns out. That's this Sunday in Minnesota. Um, it should be very fun to watch. Uh, moving to the NBA, we've had tons of injuries. I mean, you're talking like Boogie Cousins, John Wall, Kevin Love. All these guys are going out with injuries. And it's upsetting. It's really frustrating. It's uh, disappointing. It's sad, most of all. I think when you look at Boogie Cousins and what he was able to do this season, he's been killing it just absolutely destroying guys in the post, having one of the best statistical seasons that you could have. And unfortunately for him, his season's cut short, and it just looked like he had turned a corner. It looked like turned the page, got to a new self, um, and that's really frustrating to see because as a player, it's got to be very demoralizing. But, uh, you know, my prayers, condolences, etc., go out to uh, Boogie Cousins just because uh, I know what type of player he is and, and a person that he is. He's a very competitive, fiery guy. He's a guy you want on your team and a guy you hate to play against. 
Um, just hope that, uh, you know, like I said, that, that that definitely changes course and, and he's able to turn the page fully and, and really prove to people that he can come back from this Achilles injury. But, you know, the NBA, it's it's been crazy. You've had James Harden with his 60-point triple-double. You've had C.J. McCollum just last night, 50 points in less than 30 minutes, the second time only in NBA history for a player to do that in less than 30 minutes. So uh, shout-out to both of them. Uh, we're going to move on, obviously. We're going to get uh, Irving Rowland on the line. Gonna chat with him about the season, about uh, the Rockets, about where they're headed, about you know just everything. I- I'm really interested to hear kind of how he got to where he is, and obviously talk about the progression and growth of James Harden because uh, you know if you think about it, three, four, five years ago, uh, this man was in Oklahoma City. He was regarded as kind of a sixth man. Nobody really knew if he was gonna be able to to bounce back from that horrible playoff series that he had. And now look at where he's at. I mean, he's the MVP candidate. I think most people would choose at this point. So it'll be very fun to watch. Very fun to uh, talk with Irving Roland, his trainer uh, and trainer of the Houston Rockets to kind of delve into that a little bit deeper. So more coming to you. Irving Roland up next on the boss show. And we're here at the Boss Show. Uh, your host, as always, Oliver Maroney. B Dot couldn't be here today. He's got photo shoots. You know, he's big timing. So uh, unfortunately, no B Dot, but uh, kind of in replacement, I guess you could say. Um, my friend, very, very good, well-known NBA trainer, uh, Irving Roland. Irving, been been waiting to chat with you about this, and uh, just kind of curious how the season's been and and how you're doing. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Um, you know, our team suffered a couple of injuries uh, throughout the first 50 games, man. Still dealing with a couple now, but uh, we've been holding strong to this number two spot, so hopefully we can get back on the run soon. Yeah, you talk about it. This season has been, uh, you know, quite impressive considering the injuries that you guys have faced and kind of the adversity that you've faced in comparison to some other NBA teams who seem to be catching up at this point. But, you know, when you look at – yeah when you look at just like the league overall and kind of what it's transitioned into, it's all three point shooting. It's all, you know, uh, heavy pass, pass and move, pick and roll type of game. Um, can you just talk about kind of the transition from like when you watched basketball, when you were growing up to like kind of what it is today? Yeah. I mean, the game, uh, especially the NBA kind of goes in trends. And so you say uh, early on, it was like a guard dominant league. Um, then it kind of transformed to a uh, big man era where we had a lot of dominant big men kind of running the show and um, heavy post-up type stuff. And then now um, it's more like positionless basketball. So you have guys like uh, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis. Like these guys are so unbelievably talented. You look at uh, Porzingis out in New York, you got these – you know, six ten, uh, seven foot two guys that can handle the ball, shoot the ball. So, you know, it's a really uh, impressive uh, transformation that these guys have made over the years. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I mean, I really wanted to get into a little bit of your story too. Uh, you started as a trainer, if correct me if I'm wrong, with the Celtics. Is that is that right? Yeah. So I, I started I started as a video coordinator in Boston in 2004. 
um, okay. right out of college. I graduated from a Division two school in 2004 in Oklahoma, and then the next year I started as a video intern in Boston. And then from there, um, 2005, I worked with the New Orleans Hornets. It was Chris Paul's rookie year. I was the video coordinator there until 2010. Um, left there in 2010, moved to Miami, and started a business in Miami training NBA guys that lived in South Florida in the offseason. Uh, 2013, I went to the Phoenix Suns to be a player development coach there. And then 2016, I joined the Houston Rockets staff. So you followed James like throughout his career, really. And, and from my understanding, you know, you've been there since basically day one. I mean, ASU kind of days. Uh, what, I mean, obviously the, the growth and progression from when he's, when he was in Oklahoma City to uh, where he is now with the Houston Rockets is really, really impressive. But I wanted to hone in on just when Dan Tony stepped into Houston because James Harden was – you know, he was looked at as like a top 20 guy, maybe top 25 guy uh, just a, a few seasons ago, yeah. you know, with Dwight Howard and all those boys. But then they get rid of Dwight Howard. They move in Mike D'Antoni. They move in a different offense, a different structure. And you also come in during the same time. You know, he then changes, right. he changes position, essentially. He goes from shooting guard to point guard. Now people can, you know, debate whether that was a huge move because he was already a playmaker, facilitator kind of role, but he still changed uh-huh. positions. Um, can you just talk about kind of what you had to do uh, personally and then what the coaching staff had to do to kind of get him in the best position to succeed and kind of what has transpired over the past few seasons? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you, if you look at James in Oklahoma City, James was their best. Uh, pick and roll pl- uh, passer and best overall like playmaker um, that they had, you know, in that in that offense. And then small sample size because of you know him being a six man yeah. and, and having to share the ball with two other you know big time guys. And so then he goes to Houston where he's considered a shooting guard, but he still handled the ball quite a bit. Um, you know, compared to obviously most other two guards. And he averaged more assists as a two guard than a lot of these so-called top point guards in the league. And now, you know, you bring in Mike D'Antoni with the way we play, that wide open style. Um, and you you kind of see like what he's truly capable of, obviously. And um, he he has such a high basketball IQ. Um, being able to make passes that most people can't pass and, you know, reads that most people can't see. Um, and, you know, it's kind of be, been like a perfect marriage when you say Daryl Morey's um, analytics and the way we, you know, like to approach things to Dan Tony's offense um, to, you know, now James's style of play as being a scorer and also a, uh, you know, a big, a big, you know, playmaker and getting guys, making guys better. He's like, I don't know. I've never seen anything like this to this level. Yeah. And that I, I would say the same thing. I actually, maybe I took it too far because people are now sending death threats my way and stuff like that. But I had a tweet a couple, <laughs> couple of days ago when he had that 60 point triple double and it wasn't based on the 60 point triple double. Yeah. It was just based on the season overall. And all I was trying to say is that okay. prime Kobe, 
like we're talking like the the peak of Kobe, Kobe's greatness, who, when he was, yep. you know, the best season he had. I, I think I think James Harden is right up there, and I I personally, you know, it, it, it depends on who you are. Obviously, this is all opinions and whatnot, but I personally put out the idea right. and said Harden was is better than what. Kobe was at his peak as a player because on offense, I think he's much more of a facilitator. He gets everybody involved and you can just tell that offensively uh, with efficiency, the way he scores the basketball, the way he moves the basketball, it's unlike anything that Kobe ever did in his career. And I'm not trying to say that Kobe wasn't this incredible player, but offensively, I think there's a different, there's an, there's another lens to it. There's another angle that Kobe didn't bring. But on defense, yeah. Kobe Kobe's defense was great. But I got hammered for it, obviously, because Kobe fans are Kobe fans and Laker fans are Laker fans. But, you know, this 60-point right. triple-double, have you ever seen anything like that? Like, I'm sure live you probably haven't, but, like, I mean, I, I can't even think of a time in NBA history where, like, something like that just occurs, and he did it on such such good efficiency. I mean, it was just nuts. I, right, 19 to like 30. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know, he had the couple triple, uh, huge triple doubles last year with uh, you know, I think it was, was it Philly was one of them at Philly and then at home against New York, um, where he had you know the fifty point triple doubles, but this game with the efficiency, um, with us really needing every single one of those buckets, um, to win the game, you know, it it, it was pretty. It was pretty unreal, and then, you you know, you, you're watching the entire game, and you really don't realize until at the end of the game, like, wow, that's really what he did. And, um, you know, I <clears throat> I hate even bringing other players up because, you know, once you, once you bring <laughs> players and, you know, other players and start comparing, oh, I know. then you get fans, you get fans that feel like you're trying to, to diminish the other person's greatness. Yep. You know what I mean? And they, like, you know how it is with Kobe and other players, you know, great players, Michael Jordan, whoever, and guys now, um, they're almost, it's almost like religion. Yeah, it's You know God. what I mean? Like, how, how can't dare do it. you say that about this man? You know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't, yeah, yeah so, it wasn't even meant it, that it, way, it, but people No, just... and I, I, trust me, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. Um, you know, I've said it a few times on uh, my Instagram, and I think James is the most underappreciated superstar we have in our league, and I, and I, I don't know why that is. Um, I, I have theories, but um, for a guy to, I mean, you know, he's leading the league in scoring, but also making his teammates better. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys that get numbers, ind- great individual numbers, but they don't make players better. Some guys even make players worse. You know yeah. what I mean? Guys play with them and they become worse, you know? Um, and I just don't know what the media sees, what the fans see, because James has been in the playoffs every year. Um, you know, he only has one guy. He's the only player on this team that made the all-star team where all these other guys have multiple all-stars on their team. And we're second best record in the league. (laughs) And we've only had, we've only had our, our whole team, I, I think 21 games. Yeah, oh, and it's we've nuts. only lost one game with our with our entire team, and so it's like, what are y'all what are y'all watching? You know what I mean? We're winning, 
Some yep. of these guys are struggling to win. They're getting great individual numbers, and y'all gassing them up. I I really don't get it. Yeah. I really don't get it. Um, it's tough. But it, you know, it is what it is. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at yeah, I don't, what, I, it, it, what's really funny to me is the, the argument that you're making to me, uh, as far as like the MVP goes, this is where I really just, this baffles me, you know, because basically in 2015, Harden was right there. Was it 2015? I think it's 2015. Harden was right there with Steph yeah, Curry. Yeah. And everybody thought Harden probably Well, his numbers were better. More points and more assists. Bingo. Exactly. And Steph Curry ends up winning it because they said but, that Harden needed to win more. Yep. That was the whole thing. Harden needs to win well, more. The, the, <laughs> the, Rockets were, the, the Rockets were in second place. The Warriors were in first place. But, you know, the Warriors had three All-Stars. James, if you look at the 2000 – this is – we're in 2018. Yep. Right? We're in 2018. If you look at the 2015 – I'm not talking about the 2005. You look at the 2015 Houston Rockets that went to the Western Conference Finals. I think there's seven or eight players on that team that aren't even in the NBA anymore. Yeah. And they got to the Western Conference Finals behind what James did. Yep. So I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what we're talking about. Well, but here, so here's the thing. The, they say the award. Go ahead. Yeah. So they say he needs to win more, right? Every, that's what everybody was saying. Like, ah, uh, he, right. he didn't win as much as Curry did. You know, yeah. Curry, Curry did this. You know, whatever. Yeah. He comes back. Not only does he come back and puts up better numbers, puts up more efficiency. Yeah. Does more in a new system, yeah. in a new role, in a new offense with new players. They offload their best player in Dwight Howard, arguably, quote unquote, you know, like star player, quote unquote. And then this next year he comes back and you see Russell Westbrook win it when he wins, you know, 10 less games, whatever it was, 10 less games. Uh, And I understand the triple double is a great feat, whatever. But to me, he did everything that everybody asked him to do and then still ended up not winning the Mm -hmm. award, which I think is just. I think it's cruel. If you tell a player to do that and everybody says that around the media, man, you know, he proved you wrong. You got you gotta you gotta pay back at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I uh <clears throat> I've talked about it before and you know, I don't wanna you know I don't wanna cook myself and get in trouble <laughs> or whatever and you know, we I don't, don't wanna to. seem like we're crying for the award because we've had people do that for all star spots. Um, and, and, you know, people make it sound like they're, they're crazy or whatever. So I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I feel like at this point, James could average 150, uh, 100 points, 50 assists. We could go 82 and 0 and it wouldn't matter. Like they don't find some reason. Well, eh, he didn't close out hard one time. Like it's going to be something. So I'm over it. Like we got, we got a great team. Let's just focus on winning and just go from there. Cause all this other stuff. You know, it's opinions. It's of course. Uh, you know, it's a lot of gas. It's a popularity thing, and I'm like, if you win, that's something people can't debate. So let's exactly. just focus on that and, and go from there, man. So I want to talk about you specifically and what you did with James over the past couple of summers, because I think on the outside looking in from other perspectives. You know, I think people think that it's a lot easier said than done uh, to be able to do what James has been able to do and accomplish and change. So what Uh did you guys like? How many hours are you putting in watching film? How many like what are you working on? I know this summer you and Chris and James, once Chris 
Chris's trade was basically announced or whatever, you guys went to work and tried to facilitate, you know, getting that thing together, getting them to mesh together, getting them to know each other, everything. And so can you just talk about Mm -hmm. how many hours you guys spent just game tape, film, training, and then what specifically you guys worked on? Because I think people would be interested to know. Yeah, you know, I don't want to, <clears throat> I don't want to, first off, um, you know, I think you and I have spoken about it before, you know, I'm not, you know, you got a million, there's, there's more basketball trainers and NBA trainers than there are NBA players, and <laughs> this whole thing is, is, is out of control, and I'm not one of those credit guys, you know, like, when it comes to James Harden, he was special. Asterisk, um, asterisk next to this I, whole I thing. I ever met him, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I got you. Huh? Don't I'm not giving you credit. Yeah, I'm just saying yeah, kind of what, what you guys were. Let, let's put that out there for <laughs> yeah for the listeners. I just want to put that out there. Um, you know I don't want to make myself seem like a magician, but I think the thing for us was, um, you know, and people talked about it last year. We spent most of our off season in Phoenix, Arizona, and for James, that's provides him a level level of comfort because you know he went to Arizona State and all that, and um, it's quiet there, you know what I mean? So, you know, yeah, we can have fun. Phoenix is one of my favorite cities in the world, but it allows him no distractions as far as paparazzi that we would face in his hometown in L.A. or, um, you know, being in Vegas a lot or, or whatever, Miami, the other places we go. He can just work, concentrate on that, and – Next thing you know, you see the, the finished product. But from a day-to-day basis, man, it's, it's, it's pickup, it's weight room, it's individual work, and it's almost six days a week, you know, of that. And we, I actually had a conversation with Chris Paul about it today. And, you know, it's a lot, a lot of people, they, they want to be great um, or they want to, be, you know, they want to be in the NBA, and it's like a lot of guys get to the NBA and they figure, okay, I can do just enough to stay here. But when you become a James Harden, when you become a Chris Paul, LeBron James, or whatever, now you have a brand and you have a brand to protect, and so everything that comes with that, these guys enjoy. And so to 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 sustain that over a level uh, period of time, you have to put the work in, and so James after they lost in the Western Conference Finals, after he didn't win MVP. All that is just fuel for his fire. And so for us, got Mike D'Antoni as a head coach. We looked at some Steve Nash film. We figured out where he would be in the offense, what his reads would be, what, you know, I think a lot of our work, we work a lot on the right hand, like being able to finish with the right hand. A lot of guys try to force him to his right or, in the pick and roll, forcing him right and making passes with the right hand. Like, I feel like offensively, there's really nothing James can't do. He's a great finisher. He's a great passer. He's a great shooter. Um, so it's like, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? And so once we found out, like, where he would be in, in, in Mike's offense and what, what he would see every day, that's how we kind of tailored our workouts and – it's just nothing more than just getting it in every day. What's the what's the tape process look like? Did you how much how much tape did you guys watch on a daily basis of like Steve Nash and 
did you talk to D'Antoni about this beforehand? Like, hey, what do you want us to implement? Yeah, so go ahead. Yeah, so Mike Mike brought him in, watched film, and was like, hey, I'm gonna move you to the point. They watched film on Steve Nash and some of the things they did in Phoenix. And then from there, you know, I watched a lot on my own, especially being a former video coordinator. I watched a lot on my own. And, you know, we would watch stuff on the plane here and there. But when we're on the court, we just – it's a lot of conversation like, hey, when you come off, you see this, whatever, and then we just get after it. So we don't spend a lot of time on a day-to-day basis watching film. Yeah. We'll just discuss things that we – that we might have seen, and then we, you know, we get the work in and try to make all of our drills game-like. So I'll have other bodies. It's not – a lot of times it's not just me and him. It's defenders. It's, um, it's it's you know, people simulating our offense and stuff like that so he can kind of get a visual of what, you know, things will look like. And then this last offseason, so you're with how, – how many days did you get with Chris Paul and James and kind of – uh, talk about not only like their relationship because I think in order to be a great tandem in the league you have to have a good relationship like it it, it can work like a Kobe yeah. and Shaq it can work like other other great d- dynamic duos but I think you can force it you can Absolutely. force it yeah if, if they're good enough you can force anything but I think in order to reach yeah. their peak together you have to be able to work together personally just like you got to know each other you got to know what yeah what's going on how did that kind of how was that process? Yeah, so, you know, the thing about our team that's really special is you have a lot of guys that are connected in other ways. So, like, Chris Paul and P.J. Tucker have known each other from little kids in North Carolina. Chris Paul and Trevor Reza played together in New Orleans. Uh, Trevor Reza and Bobby Brown were teammates since middle school. Um, you know, Chris, um, Chris Paul, James Harden played in the Olympics, all-star teams together. Um Trevor Reza, Bobby Brown, and James Harden, they all, you know, know each other from L.A. days and stuff like that. So you have a lot of guys that are connected in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, Chris being older, Trevor being older, James being older, um, these guys know that it can't just be basketball all the time. You know what I mean? Like, you get into games and you see a lot of teams have these blow-ups on the court, and that's natural. That's just basketball. You spend every day together. Um, there's going to be conflict in life that that's part of it but if i yell at you on the court and all we have is a basketball relationship it kind of makes it tougher to receive because it's like hold on where is this coming from you know what i mean is it personal you know what i mean like some guys might take that the wrong way but if i know you on a personal level um if we do go out to dinners and hang out and my uh wife knows your wife and you know, all this different stuff, it makes it easier to communicate in basketball um, because we actually, we spend more time together than we do with our, with our family. So, um, you know, from day one, these guys were, you know, we spent a lot, like I said, a lot of time in Phoenix, LA, Vegas, whatever. These guys were hanging out, working out, getting to know each other, spend time together. And it's kind of made our whole transition this year that much easier yeah because there was a lot of doubts it's <laughs> still again yeah. once again it's like it seems like yeah, there was a lot of the rockets man i had that conversation all the time <laughs> i know yep. man i know we talked yep. about and it i posted that clip uh <laughs> i posted that clip a couple days ago <laughs> who did we play we played miami last yep. week yep and i posted a clip on my instagram 
And it's what happened in the game was James came down. We needed a bucket. He missed a shot on the mid post, which is a high percentage shot for him. He just so happened to miss it. We go down and get a stop. James gets a rebound, brings the or Chris brings the ball up the court, I think. James tells Chris at half court, hey, go to the elbow, I'm going to hit you, you know, and then you go get a bucket, right? So they literally have like this little mini conversation at half court. Chris gives the ball to James. James goes down to the elbow, scores, go ahead, bucket, and we win. And I posted that clip on my Instagram and to the average fan. It's like I, I had a bunch of people comment like, oh, what the heck, it's just an isolation play. How How, how important is that? Like they don't get it. My point was a lot of people was like, how could these two play together? They're both ball-dominant guys that, you know, need, need it in their hand. They're not going to share the ball, whatever. But it was so awesome to me to see them do that in crunch time, say, hey, I trust you to go make this play. I'm going to feed you, whatever. And then we win the game. Like, that was really awesome to see. And just to me, um, the point that I've been trying to get along to a lot of – or get across to a lot of people um, – you know, but it, it, it's been really insane to watch. When when we're healthy and we have all our guys, I mean, I feel like we're the best offense in the league. So I want to, like, end on a couple questions. First question would be... Okay. There, Obviously, Clint Capello comes out, says what he says about the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors rivalry here with yeah. with your guys is pretty... It, it's pretty clear at this point. I think because you guys have beaten them a couple of times, you've shown your willingness to be able to yeah. beat them. Uh do you like how confident are you guys? How confident are you that if you're matched up with them in a playoff series that you can beat them? Like legitimately, I'm ju- I'm just asking because I want people to understand kind of where your guys' heads are at. No, no, uh, and, and you know that whole thing I think got blown out of proportion. Of course, of in course, media, you as right. always. <laughs> in media, in media, you don't know how the question was asked. No, you know what I mean. So it's just the quote. Of the it player. wasn't like you don't know. It what wasn't the... like. <laughs> Clint Capella was walking around saying, oh, yeah, uh, Rockets in six. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't like he was just running around talking crazy. Yep. You know, somebody asked him a question, and if if I ask, if 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 you ask me right now, me versus Chris Paul one-on-one, who wins? I'm not about to tell you anybody's about to beat me one-on-one. I don't care that Chris Paul is a Hall of Famer. I'm going to tell you I'm going to win. Yep. Now, exactly. whether that happens or not, I don't know, but you know what I mean? I have confidence in myself. So what was Clint supposed to say? Nothing. But, I mean, no, that, that, yeah, you know, nothing else he can do. People there. talk about people talk about us offensively, right? And you know, offensive ratings and how dynamic we are. But we got a lot better defensively. We're adding Luke and Bamute. We're adding PJ Tucker. We are a lot better on the defensive end as well. We're top ten defense, capable of being a lot better. Um, so I, I have a lot of confidence in us, you know, making a deep playoff run, man. Yeah, and I think that's the goal, obviously, of this team. Now, the last kind of question I would have is just, I think they're, man, it, everybody talks about analytics, eye test, analytics, stats, eye test, whatever that question, you know, however you want to answer that question or ask it. But to me, what is your team like? Because I know Maury's about the statistics, the analytics, and all that stuff. It's Maury Ball, quote unquote. But at the same time, to me, yeah, this is more than just Maury Ball. Like this is also an eye test sort of thing. Um, 
what do you yeah. how do you gauge your training like do you guys hammer out like okay well james you're shooting 33 percent from the corner three we got to work on that or it are you are you just going nah, to james and saying, you know what look, man because we, we don't look at other stuff yeah so for me for me obviously i'm on the coaching staff um you know and i'm with you know these guys every day even in the off season so I'm in the coaches' meetings. I'm with them, so I hear all the conversations. I watch the film, so I, you know, I'm I'm in the loop, and so I know what teams try to do to us defensively to try to cause us problems, right? Yep. So as far as statistics goes, I'll, I'm not going to go to James and say, "Hey, you only shot 27% on the left uh, wing this year." We, you know, because for me, I don't like. For any of my guys, whether it's PJ Tucker, Trevor Reza, any of the guys I work with, I don't like them overthinking things. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't, I don't ever want them not, you know, not feeling loose and stuff like that on the court. Um, and so a lot of that stuff is situational. You know what I mean? Whether yeah. the way our offense was set up, did they catch consistently there and take contested shots? You know what I mean? You don't know what that stuff is. Yep. But you know, what I will do, what I will do is constantly work on things that I know teams try to force us into doing. Um, Like I said, pushing James to his right hand or, you know, a lot of teams try to force us to shoot tough twos, you know, or whatever. So we'll work on, you know, different things like that to try to avoid those situations. But, you know, I don't like to overthink numbers and stuff like that. Like we do a great job of getting high percentage shots and for us that's threes and layups and we do a great job of that so um you know i don't want my guys thinking thinking you know crazy stuff like that because then it it, it doesn't become fun for them you know yeah no it makes total sense I, i i just think that's a good um obviously it's a good answer to me and i just i want people to understand kind of where you know, NBA trainers lie, et cetera. I'm not going to throw you in the basket of all NBA trainers and there's different types of NBA trainers and, you know, people who work for teams, people who don't, people who, you know, do things a little differently. But, um, you know, that, that's a, yeah, like I said, that's a great answer. I just wanted to get that idea because I think a lot of people get confused with, yo, they're looking at stats all the time and basketball references everything and numbers are this. And, you know, I think, a lot of people get caught up in that rather than just watching the game of basketball and taking it in. And that's just the era we live in nowadays. Every, everybody wants everything on demand. They want to record it on their phones. I think I saw, I can't remember what it was, but I want to say it was a performance or a you know, Super Bowl thing or football something. And I saw the crowd and every single one of them had their phone out. And instead of just like taking in yeah. what was going on, they had their phone the out. moment, right? Yo, I got, I, I got to capture at. this. It's just like, come on, man. Yeah, like, that's where we're at in life. And so, that's where uh, we're at in life. That's what it is, man. It's the, it, as, as Michael Rappaport told me, it's the Instagramification of basketball. And it's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I uh, had that conversation last night. It's like, we're at the point where it's it's more cool to go to the gym and post a picture in the gym than to actually go to the gym and get the work in. So like guys will go like have all these crazy hashtags, hashtag I'm grinding, hashtag uh, no days off. And you know, do you really take no days off? And what do you do on your, like in your no days off, what are you getting accomplished? 
Yep. You know what I mean? So it's cool to have a hashtag. I love that hashtag. My business partner uh, in Miami has the hashtag, but I know he literally takes no days off. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I look at I look at my business partner, right? And I can look at him and tell, okay, he gets it in every day. But a lot of these guys using that hashtag, <laughs> I see them and it's like, okay, your game ain't got no better. So what yep. are you really doing? You taking no you taking pictures every day, no days off with your camera angles. Yep. But are you really getting better every day? So, you know, that's that's where we are in life. I'm sorry. I uh, I pushed this really long and I apologize for that. But now I got one last question. You good, brother? Trey, Trey, Go Trey Young. I gotta ask you because you're an Oklahoma what guy. About him? Man, I, I don't, I don't no want to, I don't want to put these comparisons out because I don't, I, I'm not a big comparison era yeah. guy. So I'm not gonna throw out the Curries or whoever else. But in your opinion, I'm sure you've seen Trey Young play. What's your take on him? Is he, is he NBA ready? Is he? You know, what, what What do you think? Because I've asked a ton of people. I've asked former GMs, executives, et cetera, and they all have difference of opinion on him. Some people say, oh, he got to find the right coach. He's got to find yeah. the right scheme. He's got to find the right this, that, and the other thing in order for him to be successful. Other guys are like, look, just throwing him, throwing right. him, hitting to the fire, let him run the offense. So where are you at on him, just, just out of curiosity? Yeah, you know, when it comes to college kids, I try not to speak on them. Um, okay. You okay. know, I, I I wish I wish the best for, um, I wish the best for that kid and 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 things of that nature. But you know, I want to keep myself and yep. stuff out of trouble, so <laughs> I won't even yeah I won't even comment All on right. him. I, I wish him the best. Yeah, no, he's he's been balling out, so I just figured I'd ask. But uh, yeah, I heard my man. Uh, appreciate the time. as always, where can people find you if they don't already know? Yeah, my Instagram and uh, my Instagram, my Twitter is uh, Irv I R V, is in Victor Irv Roland. Um, my like I said, Instagram and my Twitter. So, you know, check me out. I try to post decent stuff from time to time. So, um, love to hear from you guys. Appreciate it, my man. Uh, uh, as always, uh, look forward to catching up soon. Hopefully, I can make a trip down to Houston here pretty shortly, and we can uh, we can catch up. Absolutely, man. Holler at me. I will. All right. Thanks a lot, Irv. Tell tell B dot man that's crazy how he big time too, man. Oh, uh, he big time and he big time and all the time. I'm telling you right now, this is the second time he's been like, <laughs> "Yo, I got an all day video shoot." He's doing some axe commercials. So nah, that's all good. I'm happy for that guy, man. Yeah, yeah. He's putting the work, man. You talk about putting in the work. I know he does a lot of Instagram yep. stuff, but that that's part of his business. So <laughs> yeah, and no, I'm happy for him. He created his own lane and and doing well. Him and Los both. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know James likes him a lot, too, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon, Irv. I appreciate nah, man, the time. You have man. a good one. I'm going to go get ready for this game, and I'll holler at you later. All right. Good luck, man. All right. Have a good one. Great stuff from Irving Rowland, trainer for the Houston Rockets, guy who's known James Harden since he arrived in the league and before that. Uh, really appreciate his insight into Mike D'Antoni, the offense, the system. They're the second team in the Western Conference right now, so keep an eye on what they're doing. Uh, really appreciate what he gave us. And um, as always, go ahead and check out our sponsor, Topicwear, T-O-P-I-K-W-E-A-R.com, Topicwear, at Topicwear on Instagram and Twitter. Check them out. Some of the most comfortable underwear you'll find. I know they're doing some giveaways on their social media pages, so 
check them out. Give them, give it a try. Just see, see how you like them. I'm telling you, uh, most comfortable pair of underwear that you can get. So, uh, really quick before we close out the show, I got one grinds my gear. I'm gonna do it by myself. And this comes on the news of just this national story about a person bringing a peacock into an airport and expecting that they can just bring it onto a plane. I I don't understand this. Like, okay, so first of all, like I'm good with dogs and cats and man, even like smaller animals, that's cool, like whatever, but who owns a peacock first of all? And secondly, those aren't animals. Like they're not I mean, they're they're animals. They're not pets though. Like let's not get ahead of ourselves here. These are not pets. Uh these are animals that are meant to be in the wild. They're meant to be you know, taken care of at a zoo or whatever, but like, man, having the balls to get into, you know, JFK or uh, LAX or PDX or wherever you're going airport wise and seeing a peacock get on a plane. Nah, come on. Like what, what is, why, why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. Bringing a peacock on a plane. I'm fine with a dog. You know, you pay for the extra seat, have them sit next to you or in a crate or whatever and you have to bring them on a plane but like if you're trying to travel with a peacock drive them in a car have somebody else drive them get one of those animal services to drive them somewhere like that's not something for a plane like sorry just figure it out do something else so that's my grind my gear segment this week uh i know it's short it ain't it ain't big um but i did want to also talk about my social media post that for whatever reason i'm getting de- death threats for i said James Harden is better than prime Kobe. What I meant by that is peak Kobe or the best Kobe that we've seen. And I think this is an argument. This is not something that's like outrageous. I I didn't even think it was when I tweeted it. That's why I tweeted it or else I wouldn't have done so. But the Kobe fans are coming out of the closet. I've got direct messages telling me to go jump off bridges, kill myself, um, a bunch of language that I'm not even going to go into. Uh, hit yourself on the head, just like crazy stuff like that. I've had, I mean, I have like 45 direct messages from people. I have no idea who they are. They're requests. They're not even messages because I don't follow them. They don't follow me. And all these people are making outcry about how I shamed Kobe Bryant. Like he's a, you know, somebody I can't respect. I respect Kobe Bryant. He's a great player. I'm cool with it. Everything is cool. I'm good with all of it. Kobe Bryant is an elite player and will be going down in history as one of the greatest to ever play no disputing that but as far as pure talent on the court I think you get more offensively from James Harden and I think you get more defensively from Kobe Bryant and what I mean by that is I think it's your choice I don't think it's as black and white as people are making it out to be it wasn't meant to be an outrageous statement something crazy I came out and apologized to the people who thought I was trying to grab attention or seek attention. That's not what I was trying to do. People were starting to compare Kobe Bryant's 81 to James Harden's 60, 11, and 10 or whatever. And to me, that is not even a comparison. Kobe scored 81. That's great. Good for him. But James Harden did something I thought was much more special. Now, maybe there's some recency bias in there. I'll admit it. But I don't think it's an outrageous claim or statement. And I think people who are talking like that, obviously people who are telling me to kill myself have no life. And I ain't going to respond. I'm not going to blow them up. 
Uh, people were telling me to expose them. I'm not doing that. I'm not shame gaming them. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just letting them be because quite frankly, that's a sad life to live if you got to live it. So those are my two grind my gears. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening to the boss show. Once again, this is Oliver Maroney. You can follow me at O Maroney NBA. You can follow our guest Irving Roland at Irv Roland uh, on Twitter, Instagram, etc. Uh, thanks a lot for tuning in. Thanks a lot for listening. And join us ne- next week. Hopefully, BDOT will be back. And we got another special guest coming right at you.